Welcome to another episode of Nipe's Story. This is a fortnightly podcast that brings you audio versions of short stories from Kenya and across the continent. I'm your host, Kevin Mochiro. Karibu. On this episode, we're featuring The Water Did Not Come by Hugo Kakanham. Some of the villagers have found short-term work as diggers. They are bent over, digging up the red earth. We ask them why they are digging away from the road if their aim is to improve the horrible road conditions. No, we are digging to lay out water pipes, they say. Even the diggers do not sound convinced. We are incredulous. Water, water in pipes coming to our homes. Bah, never. But the digging continues and soon it is snaking down the valley and nearing the river. The red earth is turned inside out a meter from the long furrow and reminds us of long intestines. The digging slows down. They don't want their jobs to end too quickly, we whisper to each other when we see the diggers lying about in the sun. Some suggest that if extended public work projects are meant to create short-term jobs, it is in people's interest to extend the jobs as long as possible. Digging is not only a man's job any longer. Among the diggers are women with shawls wrapped around their waists to protect their legs from being seen by the men. Mantlani is very careful about lifting her legs too high because her father-in-law perpetually suspects her of sleeping with all the diggers. He would prefer her to stay at home and serve him all day. The digging is across the river now and it begins its long wind up the hill, past the Rubella homestead and under the thorn bush of Matuera's garden. And then it stops. The white engineer has to be called. The diggers sit around and chat with the passers-by all day. Tamsanka itches to visit his favorite tavern for a drink. We are not even digging today, he reasons. But no white is a strict foreman. If you leave the site, no pay. Tamsanka needs that pay, so he sits sullenly waiting for the white engineer. The sun crawls across the sky. No digging until the white man arrives, just before sunset. The graves are in the way, no white explains, when the irritable sunburned white engineer emerges from the white four-by-four bucky. The engineer follows the diggers to the graves. The brown grass scratches his exposed legs. No graves here, he gestures when the diggers stop. Sorali's entire family is buried here, no white admonishes. Defeated, the engineer rummages in the vehicle and emerges with a ball of string. Without measuring, he unfurls it in a straight line away from the graves and a few paces later, gradually rejoins the original digging path. No white's eyes study the distance. There you go, the engineer says. He leaves his string on the grass and returns to his car. A string of red dust follows him down the valley and then up the mountain. We dig again tomorrow then, No White says. 
The diggers amble home into the gathering dusk, with Majola leading them in a quiet song. Three months later, the long furrow winds its way from the main road, across the maize fields, down the hill, across the valley and the stream, up the hill, down the next hill, across the valley and second stream, up a steep incline, past the Gogoza homestead, along the flat, past Mbai school and shop, away from the Danisos, past the Mangaliso clan homestead, it avoids another gravesite, curves past the cruel man's garden, along the third stream, and then across up towards Dumisor Cafe, Mangena School, and then it reaches the other main road at Masantalala stop. The children play in the furrow. A cow breaks its leg. We do not keep meat. Everyone comes and we eat Mamjuara's cow. When it rains, the water speeds down the furrow. The boys play in the mud and slide down the hill at a crazy speed. The bruises heal. Six months later, the pipes arrive. The piping is faster than the digging. Mothers are wary of their daughters going next to the pipes. Rumor has it that boys hide out waiting the girls in the pipes. The whispers hint that that is where Mamtolo's 12-year-old daughter was impregnated. We heave a deep sigh when the red earth covers the pipes. Concrete bases are built above the pipes every few kilometers. We look at each other blankly. Even the helpers do not know what the concrete is for. The white man comes and goes, and we dare not ask. No white thinks that this is where the water taps will be placed. Another season of harvesting goes by. The grass grows over the scars where the furrow ran. We forget about the pipes. In the same way that all the generations before them had done, young women continue to walk down the hill, fill their buckets with water, walk up the hill, and return home with drinking water. The streams dry up in winter. The girls rise earlier and earlier to get water from the spring. Late risers have to bargain for water when they find the spring dry. The cows and horses lick the dry earth as though they smell water under the dry riverbed. Old women with no daughters to send to the stream do not wash until someone remembers them. The sheep pant in the shade of the huts in the midday sun. The night is eerily quiet without the frog choirs which normally fill the night air. Spring comes eventually. The rains are late, but when they come, we forget the dry months and plow up the lands along the tenuous hills. After eroding for four years, the road gets fixed at amazing speed. There is a party at the primary school, and the whole village is invited. The children clean the schoolyard, and window panes are stuck in the gaping holes. Elections are in two months. Yellow posters are pasted on people's doors. No red, no blue. Ten sheep are slaughtered. The mayor, councillors, minister and president's office arrive and address us in English. 
We are told that the water taps will be opened and that the people of Mfinizweni in Lusikisiki will soon forget about the century of back-breaking labor to get water from the rivers. Water will flow just outside our homes. Government has delivered again, we are told. On cue, the women ululate. Together we can do more, we sing. That was six years ago, and not a drop of water has emerged from the underground pipes. Young children do not remember the tale of the digging when the red earth was turned inside out in a line that stretched from one main road to another. No white is sickly now. He would not be able to dig again. But we do remember when he was the digger's foreman. Everyone is talking about the drought. We hear about it on the wireless and the crafty writers at Umholobo Wenene have incorporated the drought into the radio dramas. Here in Mfinizweni, we do what we have always done. We drink less, wash less, and bathe less. Our animals die more. Our harvests yield less. We get sick more, and the young and old die more. To get water from the streams, we walk over kilometers of pipes that contractors were paid to lay out. We even had a white engineer. The president's office was here. Perhaps the president counts our village as one of those he has delivered water to. But the water did not come. The Water Did Not Come was read to you by Shiro Gedunguri. Hugo Kakanham lives in Johannesburg, South Africa, but mostly longs for the village of Lusikisiki, where he was raised on stories. He teaches psychology at the University of Witwatersrand in Johannesburg. He says he reads and writes for work and for pleasure. Lucky fellow. He has published essays in Brittle Paper, Transition Magazine, and the City Press newspaper. You can see more of his work on his blog, Hugo Kakenham, and you can follow him on Twitter, and his handle is Hugo Kakenham. Just to let you know, Nipe Story is taking a two-week break, and we'll be back on the 2nd of May. But don't forget, Nippy Story is available to download from your preferred podcast platform. You can follow Nippy Story on Facebook and you can also follow us on Twitter. And our handle is Nippy underscore story. We're also looking for short stories between 750 to 3,500 words. So email your stories to producer at fingerpiano.co.ke. That address is producer at fingerpiano.co.ke if you'd like to submit your short story for consideration for this podcast. We're looking forward to hearing from you. Nipe Story is a Finger Piano production. See you in two weeks.